0: Welcome to the No Gatekeeping Podcast, where we shatter barriers and unlock the industry's true potential. I'm your host, Jay, and I'd like for you to join us every Monday and Friday at 12 noon for a new episode as we dive deep into the world of beauty, entrepreneurship, and empowerment. We're here to amplify back voices, celebrate diversity, and pave the way for inclusivity. Now get ready to break down barriers, inspire change, and redefine the standards. Every week with me. Welcome back to the No Gatekeeping Podcast. Today, we're diving into the exciting world of entrepreneurship and breaking down the essential steps to starting your own business. I'm your host, Jay, and whether you're a budding entrepreneur or a seasoned business owner looking for a refresher, this episode is for you. So tell a friend to tell a friend and their mama enough to tune on in because we're about to get started. A lot of you all are here because of my beauty supply business and its success coming from a Black woman. You all want to know the ins and outs of this industry and how I got started so you can get started. And I want to dish that information out to you. I'm excited to provide you with all of those intricate details because, quite frankly, there needs to be more Black-owned beauty supply stores. There's a dire need for it. And I'm Blackity Black Black. I'm so pro-Black that I've been marching and protesting since the age of six years old. Um, I've been going to the National Action Network since I was six years old, watching Reverend Al Sharpton preach because my father and him are good friends. I was a part of the Sharpton's and everything else. So, yes, I'm Black Black. And I think it's time for my Black people to win. It's our time. Beauty supply stores are a staple of the black community. Think about it. When you think about your local beauty supply store, it's probably been there for years. It's been there since you were a child growing up. When I think about my local beauty supply store, I'm thinking about the beauty supply store that's on Graham Avenue in Bed-Stuy. I'm thinking about the beauty supply store that's on Fulton and Ocean. I'm thinking about the beauty supply store that's on Fulton Street in downtown Brooklyn. Those are three locations that I've always gone to as a child. From an adolescent to an adult growing up in Brooklyn, New York, they were staples in the community. The beauty supply store had everything. The beauty supply stores where everyone would go before everyone would go out on the weekends or the weekdays. You stopped there for chapstick, mascara hair, makeup. Anything, it's there. This is a place where people stock up on hair care items like relaxers and edge control, extension, wigs, and a plethora of other items. The beauty supply store is very pivotal in the, the black community. Now, when you go to your local beauty supply store, who owns it? Don't worry, I'll wait. Who owns that beauty supply store? I'm not talking about the girl that's ringing you up behind the register. No, not her. I'm talking about the one that's holding those wigs behind the counter that's telling you you can only try on two and then you have to purchase one. The one that goes in the back to get the wigs and the hair because they don't want anybody else going. The black people can only stay at that register. Yeah, the Korean owners. That's who own it. The path for black entrepreneurs to enter the segment has been riddled with roadblocks. We've run into so many difficulties finding hair care product distributors that that they, they give us so many egregious impediments to meet their needs, their requirements. Black-owned beauty supply stores can't get the products we need because distributors cater primarily to Korean-owned beauty supply stores. Yes, I said it. Yes. They require us to prepay for goods and pick them up Rather than have them shipped, they limit all of our capabilities. Meanwhile, Sally's is not going through that. Your neighborhood beauty supply store, your local supply store is not having that issue. Do you know why? Because it's not black owned. That's right. It's not black owned. Korean Americans have cornered the market for decades decades ago they cornered this market by controlling the manufacturing and the distribution and the retail hair extensions. Listen, I mean let's be real here, the hair extensions are the money maker of the industry. How many of us right now show of hands? I I'm have my hand up. Y'all can't see it, but my hand is up. We have weaving out here right now. That's the hair extensions, weave, wigs. Black owners saw the Korean wholesalers shut them out and only supply Korean retailers. We felt it. We were shunned away. And I've seen and experienced it firsthand. Some Korean wholesalers have denied and ignored my request for products. Meanwhile, a new Korean-owned store opened up less than two miles away from me had brands I couldn't get. From the same exact supplier that I went to. Rob and I, um you know, Rob and I, we are so friendly to people when we need information. Rob and I developed a friendship with the owners that opened up that beauty supply store less than two miles away. They're still our friends, actually, too. Um Shout out to them. And they begin to show us how the Koreans are gatekeeping this industry. We actually just went and had lunch with them last week. So what we started having our new friends do for us when we saw them open a few years ago was we allowed them to place some of our orders. And those same people who denied Rob and I for our orders, they shipped our orders to to our new friends. And we received our products in three weeks from the same exact vendor who denied us, the same people. I tell you no lies, guys. Like, check this out. Korean Americans own more than 70% of beauty supply stores nationwide. 70% of beauty supply stores nationwide. Where a lot of that spending, that almighty dollar, that keeps circulating in their community. Not ours. In their community. We need to become the vendors, the distributors, the wholesalers. We need to do that. There's a guy by the name of Patrick. He's an excellent vendor. He's an African guy and he has a wholesale place. It's a wholesale warehouse, guys. It's called foryouhere.com is where you can order it from. Patrick is amazing. Get get with people like Patrick because he is setting the standard. You're not going to knock Patrick out. Patrick said, listen, I don't need to go to you. I'm going to start this on my own. Korean wholesalers, they they actually deny any preferential treatment. And they state that they do um, how they ship to retailers are based on local competition and other exclusivity and economic factors. But we clearly know that's a bunch of BS. Because look at what I went through. My friends opened up a month after me and was able to receive products that I was told I couldn't receive. So, not only did they open up a month after me, you have to also think about how long I was there. Because my husband, Rob, built this location up with his bare hands. I mean, he put the floor in. And if you go to my Instagram, you'll see. Rob did the flooring, he did the walls, everything with his bare hands. We didn't hire any contractors, we did every single thing ourselves. Everything. So many black people have gone into business and had to close up shop because they weren't able to get the products they needed. Now, let me give you some statistics real quick. If we're going to be real, can I be real with you? Should I be real with them? Like, let me be real with them, right? Let me give you the real statistics and break this down for you. The beauty industry generates over $100 billion in revenue worldwide. The men's personal care market is projected to hit $276.9 billion by year 2030. And the skincare lines are projected to generate up to $177 billion by year 2025. That's next year. That's next year. Beauty companies spent an estimated $7.7 billion on advertising in 2022 alone. Okay, Cosmetic retailers reported $17.9 billion in online sales. Now you tell me where you stand in this because I'll tell you where I stand. (laughs) I'll tell you where I stand. I want you to look at the people like Madam C.J. Walker because I stand with inventors like her. In the early 1900s, she was the first black millionaire. She created the Wonder Grower Grease. She invented the hot comb that we all still use today. That hot comb that you see this in your local beauty supply store, selling for eleven dollars and ninety nine cents. I sell it for seven ninety nine in mine. I don't know. It just depends on your demographic and where you're located. But we still use that I seem hot comb today. That same hot comb that we use when we're in the beauty salons, getting the lace front, and they need to melt the scalp down and make it flat. That hot comb, when you're in a beauty supply store and you see that hot comb, I want you to say thank you, Madam C.J. Walker. Yes, thank her. She opened the first beauty school. How about Garrett Augustus Morgan? In 1909, he created the first relaxer for African-American women's hair. Yes, a black person did that. How about in 1954, George E. Johnson created the permanent hair straightener for black men? Because you know black men couldn't lab us looking fly without them looking fly. Or Lydia Newman, who invented the hairbrush in 1898. You have people like Nobia Franklin, Marjorie Joyner, Sarah Spence Washington, all black inventors of the beauty industry in the beauty industry what about my girl christina jenkins who developed the sewing weave hair technique listen let me tell you something that was a big game changer that was a giant leap for the hair industry you can give me a good bust down sewing any day of the week matter of fact currently right now i'm rocking a 30 inch bust down sewing a sewing can last you a good month or two Shoot, sometimes even three months if you get in the wash and set with it in there, okay. All my girls from the hood, listen, you know how we feel about the sewings, okay. And then we have um, Thora Stevens in the late nineteen eighties who changed the game with her patent for the new press and curling iron. Tell me, whose industry is it really? Is it theirs or is it ours? Why are we not dominating this industry? Or better yet, why are they gatekeeping our industry? They gatekeeping an industry that they didn't even start. Can you tell me why? Tell me what are you going to do to change this? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to join us every single week while we break down this industry here on the No Gatekeeping Podcast. You're going to face those fears and open that business. And let me tell you something real quick. I believe in you. In case no one else has said it before, I believe in you. And let's just say you don't want to open a beauty supply store. You want your own edge control. You want your own hair grease like Madam C.J. Walker. You want your own flat irons. You want your own clothing boutique. You want your own nail salon. Listen, if you want it, you could achieve it. You can do anything you want. You can own your own everything. And I'm here to guide you. I'm here to help you pave the way for others. Because you can and you will prosper. You will. So let's briefly go over what you need to do to get started. Let's get this business started so when we come back each and every week, we can move accordingly knowing this is already done and you can utilize these episodes as a way to guide you along the way. And guys, check this out. First and foremost, starting a business is a walk in the park. That's easy peasy. Maintaining the business is what you need to learn in order to be successful. Anyone can start a business. Anyone. But does your business have a purpose? Does your business have a purpose? What does your business have that gives it that? That, yeah, I want to work with her. I want to work with them. I love their product. I love their business. How does you stand out? How does your business stand out? Tell me. How you stand out from the rest? Because there's room for all of us. There's room for all of us. So if you have a friend that's in the same lane as you, doing the same thing as you, please don't see it as competition because it's not copying or competition. There's room for us all. See it as a way to make yourself stand out like, man, how can I make my product or my business grasp the uh, consumer's attention? How can I get them to notice me? What can I do to stand out with it? Think of it that way. Having a clear purpose can be beneficial for your business in a various of ways. Purpose helps define your business's value, direction, and purpose help attract customers. It attracts customers who align with your values. The very first step is research and planning. Research and planning. And if you haven't already started your business yet, this week I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to give you some homework. That's right, homework. I want you to identify your business's idea and conduct thorough market research. I want you to develop a business plan, outlining your goals, what's your target market, your competition, and your financial projections. That is what I want you to do this week. Because it's generally recommended to write a business plan before starting the business. It's like my grandmother used to say, it's important to know where you came from before you get to where you're going. Write that plan out or hire someone to write your business plan for you. That I will recommend for you to outsource if you're not a great writer. A well-thought-out business plan can help you clarify your business's idea, identify potential challenges... And it can also help you set realistic goals to be, oh, look, see, i need tongue-tied, child. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it can also help you set realistic goals, to be quite honest. Okay? It's like creating a roadmap for your future, for the future of your business. Check this out. It can also be used as a tool for attracting investors to obtain financial help. And we're going to get into financial help on Fridays. On Fridays, we'll discuss all things financial. What should we call it, babe? Yes, I like that. Financial Fridays. I like that. I'm sorry, guys. Rob isn't mic'd up today, but he's over there throwing out some great stuff. I like that, babe. Financial Fridays. That was good. But, um, but back to the business plan. You know, and some entrepreneurs, they even choose to start their business first and develop a business plan based on their initial experiences. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I like to be well-prepared and well-versed in everything I'm going to do before I jump in. I like to know from jump. What would you say, babe? Right. I don't want to shortchange myself. Right. Because each step is valuable and teachable. You feel me? Each step is a learning lesson. Thank you, baby. And I want you all to get into the habit of always having a copy of your business plan accessible at all times. Save it as a PDF file to your iPhone. Save it as a a PDF file to your iPad, to your computer. Get familiar with the information So you can eat it, breathe it. Like this is knowledge that has to come off naturally to you when discussing it with other people. You may run into an investor who one day does not have time to read your entire business plan, but instead has time for a five minute elevator pitch. And during that elevator pitch, you need to know enough about your business or your product or service to sell them on it. All of that information is included in your business plan, which is why I'm saying study it. This is why I'm saying to create a business plan. And I'm actually going to dedicate an episode to the structure of the business plan and business proposals. So make sure you tune in to that because that'll be a very great episode Okay, and the next step um, in setting up your business is the legal, the legal structure (laughs) and registration, because you want to make sure you choose the right legal structure for your business, be it a sole proprietorship, an LLC or corporation. You have to choose the right one for you and family. This is important because there's businesses out there that's charging you to set up your business. They'll charge you about $400 to, I don't know, ranging up to $5,000 to set up something that you guys can do on your own. And guys, paying someone to do something you can do on your own is ridiculous. That's wasting money. It'll take you less than 20 minutes to do this on your own. And it won't even cost you as much. You can go to your own Secretary of State's website and file for your business license. Off the top of my head, I know the filing fee for Pennsylvania is $125 a month. The filing fee for Georgia is $100. Uh, New York is, thank you baby, $250. California is $70. And here's a fun fact for you. There is no business taxes or business license needed in the state of Texas. Texas does not require a general business license, but they do ask that you register with the secretary of state to obtain obtain a sales use and tax permit. How great is that? And that's just a few examples for you. But I do advise you to do the, uh, the research in your own state and look into your secretary of state's website. And before we go any further, I do want to mention tax IDs are free. Do not let these companies fool you into thinking you have to pay for an EIN, which is an employee identification number. Those are free on the IRS's website. Go to irs.gov. So make sure you register your business with the appropriate state and local authorities and then attain... Obtain your um your necessary permits and licenses in your tax IDs and make sure all names match. And with the proper legalities in place, it's time to set up your business finances. This includes opening up a business bank account and obtaining any necessary financing and setting up accounting systems to track your income and your expenses because you don't want to mess around with Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam will come knocking at your door. <laughs> he will come knocking. And as I stated earlier, on Fridays, we'll discuss all things financial. I'm sorry, yes, as Rob came up with, Financial Fridays, we will discuss all things financials. We'll discuss grants because your girl has a book full of grants that's actually um, for sale on Amazon. Shameless plug right here. I actually have a book available on Amazon called Funding My Black-Owned Business. It's a book I wrote two years ago, actually, and it's a comprehensive guide tailored for entrepreneurs like yourselves seeking financial support for ventures from loans to grants. You name it, it's in that book. It, it's there to help you guys. Like, it, guys, I love this book so much because it has grants in every single state and it also teaches you how to write a business proposal and a business plan. So I definitely suggest you pick that up. So be sure to tune in every Friday because I think this Friday we'll jump right into setting up a business bank account so we can get those grants and loans deposited because I'm very big on grants. I don't like to owe anybody. No, absolutely not. Once you give me this money, it's my money. This is mine, okay? (laughs) Don't expect me to pay you a dime back, (laughs) This is for the better of my black owned business and I'm going to take this free money and use it and spend it on my black owned business while minding my black owned business. Okay, (laughs) so make sure you tune in each and every Friday because we will get into all things financials and all grants in every single state. And when you get into looking for locations and getting into operations, which is the next step, you want to choose a location that's suitable for your business, whether it's a physical storefront or a home-based business. If your home base is like online or people sometimes sell out of their home, but You need something that's suitable. And if it's an online business or a home space business, make sure you create a space in your home that is specifically for your business. Your home business needs to have an office to be just that. So when the day is over, you can close that door and be done. Believe me, you do not want to create the chaos that Rob and I had before. Trust me. Because you still have to create some sort of a work-life balance with your business being at home. Because you don't want to create a burnout within yourself in that business and then you feel like, Ugh, I give up. I don't even want to do this anymore. You have to learn when to walk away at the end of the day. And guys, listen, that's honestly all I have for you guys. I don't want to take up your whole day today. I just wanted to kick this off the right way so you know how we'll be getting into things each and every week because this is very important to me as I know it is to you. So I thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the No Gatekeeping Podcast. And we hope you found these steps and this information helpful as you begin to embark on your entrepreneurial journey. And remember, starting a business requires dedication, perseverance, and careful planning. But with the right mindset and strategy, you could turn your dreams into a reality. Look at me. I am a living proof and you are about to be also. So stay tuned for more empowering episodes. And remember, there is no gatekeeping on this podcast, okay? Until next time, everybody. I love you all.